0: Praise God. So good to see you tonight. Amid all of the busyness of this time of year, Christmas is upon us and we don't even know it. And uh, so many things that are happening so quickly around us, we certainly are thankful that you're in the house of God. I hope that this will be a trip worthwhile tonight. Amen. You know, I've read the Bible quite a bit in my lifetime, but it never ceases to amaze me that every time I go back, I find something I haven't seen before, or maybe I haven't seen it in the light that I have seen it today. And I I want to share with you one of those verses that just kind of leaps out and gets hold of you and it won't let go. Isaiah chapter 24, Isaiah chapter 24, and verse number 15, amen, throw that one up on the the wall, Isaiah 24 and 15, I don't know about you, but there are times that the Word of God just shocks me when I read it because I thought you know what I've read this before but I never have noticed and I've tried to help God to help me be a better noticer to fix my noticer whatever it is that gets me alert God help me to be a little more sensitive but this verse speaks so powerfully to me tonight And it is the word of the Lord to Israel. And it says, Wherefore glorify ye the Lord in the fires. I don't know about you. You ever read that before? I know I've read Isaiah. And I know I've read chapter 24. But I promise you today that I don't know. I guess I just was asleep when I read that. Or maybe, maybe it's because the Scripture doesn't mean as much as it ought to until you are in certain situations. And it is amazing how that word speaks to you. Wherefore, glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel in the isles of the sea. Everybody said, Amen. I want to try to talk to you for a little while about how to glorify God in the fires. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Before I get started, let me say to all of you, if you come Saturday for the teacher's workshop, please let them know you're from our church Uh, And if you will, it will be your benefit. And I won't tell you more. Just tell them you're from Greater Life Church. But I hope that you would come. Be a great weekend. I've tried to get Brother Squires to come and be with us Sunday morning, but uh, his health has not been real good lately. And so we won't know until Sunday morning. But if you come in and find somebody tapping you on the shoulder, as only Brother Squires can do it, and then be down the center aisle acting crazy. Don't get offended. Just be bop with him. Everybody said amen. If you've ever been around Lloyd Squires, you know one thing. You're not going to be normal when you get through with it. And I'm so thankful for him and his life. When you read, this passage of Scripture, you have to stop and ask yourself, where has this verse been all my life? Why have I not noticed it before? And I think Isaiah highlights a subject in this verse that is of interest to all of us. And the subject is fire. Everybody say fire. Fire is part of life. It is part and parcel of the human experience. According to Job, Job said that a man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. We are not to react as though it were some strange thing, according to Peter, in his writings of the New Testament. But we are to understand that fire serves a divine purpose. If you live any time on this earth, you are going to pass through some fire before you get to the end of life. And if you have not been in the fire, that just tells me that you're on your way to the fire. Because you're either going into it or coming out of it. But in life, you are going to experience the fires of trial and adversity. And if somebody says they've not known fire yet, then I will have to tell you that you haven't lived long enough yet. And I want to encourage you tonight with some good news. It's coming. Amen. Fire is part of life. And I have learned this much, that almost everything that has ever been done for God that is worth doing has been done in the fire. Amen. Do you realize that a good portion of, of the Scripture that you and I receive our inspiration from did not come from Starbucks over a latte. They were not burst out of some euphoric inspiration, some beautiful scene of life, but the majority of the book's of the Bible that encourage us, in particular the book of Psalms, the majority of the Psalms were written in the fire. Perhaps the most beloved Psalm of all, the 23rd Psalm. Anybody ever read the 23rd Psalm? The Lord, put it up on the screen if you can, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Do you know when David wrote that psalm, he didn't write it when he was on vacation in the Bahamas or while he was looking at the majestic peaks of the Rocky Mountains or skiing down one of the slopes enjoying the leisures of life. Most historians say that David wrote the 23rd Psalm while he was running from his own family, perhaps running from Absalom when Absalom rebelled and had turned the entire nation, or it seemed the entire nation against him, at least Jerusalem had been won by him. And David was on the outs, and it was in that time of desperation when the fires of adversity were upon him that he penned these words, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And all of those verses that inspire us came from a season of trial. It's hard for us to understand, but most of Paul's letters were written from the fires of adversity. They were written from prison cells or out of adversities that were too great even at times for him to bear. Daniel wrote his story from the fires of Babylon. The three Hebrew boys birthed their life story and their inspiration from the fires of Babylon most of the really great songs of our life were written in the fires of adversity. How many of you have ever heard the song, No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind and as he, you know when that song was written? It was written when an evangelist wife came in to him one day and said, I'm tired of being an evangelist wife. I don't want this life anymore. And I just wanted you to know I'm leaving you today. And as she walked out the doors, the words to this song came flooding into his mind. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. No no wonder when you sing that type of song, it's, it's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling that comes over you, but there's something of depth there. There's something about that song that reaches down into the very core of your being because that song was born out of adversity. It was born out of fire. It came out of the fire. I remember reading the story of Horatio Stafford. He was a wealthy Chicago lawyer with a thriving legal practice. He had a beautiful home. He had a wonderful and beautiful wife. He had four daughters and a son. To top it all off, Stafford was a devout Christian, and he was a faithful student of Scripture. His circle of friends at that time included Dwight L. Moody and Ira Sankey and various other well-known Christians of that day. And at the very height of his financial and professional success, he and his wife suffered the tragic loss of their young son. Shortly thereafter, on October the 8th of 1871, the Great Chicago Fire destroyed almost every real estate investment that he had. In 1873, he was, the, the Staffords were scheduled to take a boat trip to Europe in order to give his wife and daughters a needed vacation to recover from the tragedy that they had just gone through. He was also to join a moody conference and a moody evangelistic campaign in Europe at that time. And so he sent his wife and daughters ahead of him while he took care of last-minute details at home. And then he was to join them in England. But with a heavy heart, He received a notice one day. There has been a disaster at sea, and your daughters have all drowned. The only survivor is your wife. They hurriedly got him on the next boat that was headed to England. Grieving for what he had lost, he made his way across the Atlantic Ocean toward England. It is said that when they reached the point where the ship had gone down in troubling seas, the captain of the ship came to Horatio Stafford and said, This is where it happened. And as he stood at the bow of the boat and watched the waves come in, and he felt the roll of the tide in the sea, these words came into his heart. When peace, like a river, "...attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed His own blood for my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, O oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, is nailed to His cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. O oh, my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. For me be it Christ. Be it Christ hence to live. If Jordan above me shall roll. No pang shall be mine. For in death as in life. Thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. And the Lord haste the day when my face shall be sight and the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. One of the songs that I dearly love and I sing sometime. And I do it when I feel the need in my heart for that hand. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I was reminded of that song tonight while we were worshiping the Lord. And I recall the details of that story. As that when that story was written, it came out of a time of great loss and suffering and pain. He had lost his way, a man who had been prosperous. His name was Thomas Dorsey. He had been a profound musician of his time and had been noted for many great songs and music. But there came a time when he lost something dear to his heart and the song was taken out of his soul. He would not sing. He would not play his instrument And a friend of his, only thing he knew to do was just come by and comfort him. And he invited him to go with him one day to a place. And when he got to the location, he took him into a room and he set him down where a keyboard was. And he said, I think you need to stay here. And he exited the room. And it was while he sat there in that room that God began to speak to him and remind him that life is not over. Though it may be dark all around you and you do not see the way, I am still here and I am still in your life. It was in that moment that he sat down at the keyboard And he began to peck out the tune. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I am tired. I am weak. I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Precious Lord, take my hand and lead me on. What are you saying? I'm simply saying that everything that's ever been done worthwhile in life has been done not in spite of the fire and not because of the fire but while men and women have been in the fire whatever it is in life that you are looking for you're going to find the most valuable things in the midst of your fire and many of you are in a fire of some kind tonight some trouble, some trial, some test, some family crisis, some urgent need. I want to encourage you tonight, and I have come to do that, to tell you that you are not alone in your trial, and you are not alone in your fire. Others are there as well. But more than that, there is one that is there that makes all the difference in the world. I don't want you to leave here tonight feeling like it's too hot. I don't need to tell you how hot it is. You know how severe the trial is. But let me dispel a myth tonight about fire. And that is, you don't have to be evil to experience the fire. You don't have to be a bad person to go through the fire of adversity. Being in the fire doesn't mean that something is wrong with you. Or you are trying to be disciplined by God. As a matter of fact, most of the time... Fire in your life means that there is something right going on in your life or there wouldn't be a need for fire. Amen. There's a reason that God has allowed the fire. I want to remind you that there is worth or value in your life if God is allowing you to go through some fire tonight. Because God will not waste His time or efforts on useless things. And so if you are going through a fire, it means that there must be something in you that God values and He looks at as needful because He would not waste His efforts on a losing cause. The fire cannot destroy you but the fire can make you. And in this time tonight that I share with you, don't let the fire that you're in right now destroy you, but let it make you understand that God is up to something in my life and God has a divine purpose in me being in the fire. Fire is revealing. It is the nature of a fire to expose. It burns up the dross and the impurities and the things that are not needed so that what is needed and what is valuable can be seen more clearly. I remember hearing the report one day of the benefits of fire to helping the vegetative growth of an area that fire was not a bad thing. And one of the things I heard the man say about fire and the need of it was that it would burn up things that were not native growth to that area, but that had been transplanted by birds and the wind as they carried seeds of various kinds from different parts of the area that were not native to that, but they grow and they find a climate to grow in. And a fire, he said, would burn out that so that the native growth could have a better chance of thriving and producing. I have learned this much about God. When God allows fire in my life, it is not to hurt me. It is to help me. It is to make me better. It is to burn stuff out of me that maybe has accumulated and I've allowed to come that are not needed or necessary for my spiritual advancement. You know what I discovered anew today is that you... That that, that you and I need to understand that the hotter the fire, the higher the purpose. Amen. Do you know that dry wood, I'm going to give you a little science lesson tonight. Dry wood catches fire between 300 and 580 degrees Fahrenheit, depending on the type of wood and the degree of decay. Ice melts at 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Grass ignites at 451 degrees Fahrenheit. Gasoline is combustible at 495 degrees. But when you start moving into the higher realms and the importance of higher things, it takes a higher fire to produce the right results. Cremation of human bones it takes between 1,400 and 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit. The platinum metals, which are the most uh, exotic and the rarest of elements and metals, rhodium, iridium, palladium, and a number of others that fit in the platinum category, it takes 2,800 31 degrees to 5,477 degrees in order to melt it and purify it. What are you saying? I'm saying that the more important the element, the hotter the fire, but the more pure the substance and the more costly the outcome. Tungsten takes 6,150 degrees of Fahrenheit to melt it. Gold, which the Bible types you and I to, it is melted between 1800 and 1950 degrees Fahrenheit. There are purposes in the fire. My point is simply this. The more valuable the metal, the hotter the fire needs to be. So if you're in a really, really hot situation tonight, You must be awfully important to God or He would not let it come. Amen. say, Brother Hughes, what do you mean? I mean the hotter the fire, the higher the purpose. Isaiah wrote this passage of Scripture. As a matter of fact, for you, a little history, Isaiah was a pre-captivity prophet. That simply means that his prophecies took place before... Babylonian captivity and God sent him with these words to his people. He sent them before the fall. He sent them before they were taken. Before the Babylonian captivity there was coming dark days and there was coming trying hours and there would be afflictions and difficulties and pain and hard things to understand. But Isaiah said that when you get there, when you get to those fires, when you get to that place of intense heat and trial, this is what God wants you to do. Glorify God in your fires. When you get into Babylonian captivity and you feel the pressures on your life, Glorify God in the fires. What a command. I like it. He said, in the fires. What a statement. He didn't say, not when they get out of the fire. You know, everybody can find something to praise God for after the fact. It doesn't take a scientist to be able to figure out that when you get through a trouble or a problem and you look back, you think, oh man, God was good there and God was... It's another kind of person that when they're in the midst of it and they don't have a reason for it and there's not an explanation for it, they can still lift their hands and say, Lord, I praise you. I know that I'm not here by mistake. I know that whatever might be the reason, there is a divine purpose behind it all. In the fires, while you're in them, you are to praise Him. Because anybody can rejoice when the heat is off. But it takes a special kind of person to praise Him when the heat is on. Amen. Amen. And God said, when you get into Babylon and the pressures are on you and the struggle is there, I want you to glorify God in your fires. Amen. What do you mean when you speak of fires? Many translations of that phrase can be found, and I thought it was so interesting when I began to study that. It means, one translator said that the fires referred to the valleys of life. Another one said that it referred to the islands or the distant places. Another one said that it referred to the caves of life. The low places, the dark places, the dirty places the places that are removed and isolated where you're all alone and there's nobody there to hold your hand, you can reach out and find that there's a hand that wants to hold your hand. Amen. In the midst of such adversity and trial and trouble and test, Job declares that this state will be found in all men. And Peter said in the New Testament that many... Are the afflictions of the righteous, but God, He spares them out of them all. He said, think it not strange when the fiery trial comes. Isaiah made it plural, meaning that there's going to be more than one. But however many the trials, they are not enough to keep the hand of God from being shown in your life. Amen. And whether you are called upon to suffer one or a thousand fires, your job in the fire is to glorify God. Amen. What does that mean? That means you have to pay attention to what you say when you're in the midst of a trial. Because what you say is a reflection of what you feel. And what you feel is a reflection of what you think. And what you think is a reflection of where you are. And so the Lord said, when you get into this fiery situation, you need to let your mind not be consumed by fire, but let your mind be consumed with my divine presence and power. And you know what? If I could get just a a handful of people to understand that this church would explode in praise and adoration. And you that are going through a difficult time right now would lift your hands and begin to rejoice. Because greater is He that is in you than he that is against you or he that is in this world. That what God has given you is greater than whatever might be against you. So what you say, During times of fire. Oh, it has a whole lot to do with how you come out. Your language. The words that you use. The way that you talk about it. Amen. I'm preaching to myself right now. Amen. Praise God. How you act and how you behave. You know, it's not hard to figure out. Some people are going through a bad time. Because body language I'm not real good at it But I can figure this one out They got that long Sour look on their face You don't even have to ask It's been a bad day You know what I'd like to do Every once in a while I'd like to see some folks Confuse the devil because hell has unleashed its hordes against some of you and he's tried everything in the book and what you need to do instead of come dragging in you ought to come shouting through those back doors and the hotter the fire the faster you ought to run and the more you ought to rejoice why? because your mind doesn't need to be occupied with the fire your mind needs to be occupied with the God who is with you in the fire and that God Who is with you in that fire will keep you through that fire, and He will bring you out on the other side. But you're going to have to learn how to rejoice in the fire, in the midst of your troubles. Give Him praise. Those things are important to God. Our God would never have put that verse in the script in, in, in Isaiah. He would never have given Isaiah those words. I just want you to tell my people that when they get in the fires, I don't want them acting like the rest of the world. I don't want them talking like the rest of the world. Because they're not like the rest of the world. They're my chosen people. And your location, listen to me, your location does not have anything to do with your relation. They were in Babylon, but they were still His children. They were in trials, but they were still His family. They were in adversity, but they were still His chosen. What you're in right now doesn't have to define who you are. You may be in mud up to your eyeballs and feel like you're sinking in quicksand, But if you are a child of God, underneath that somewhere is a hand that's not going to let you go all the way under. There's something there that's going to sustain you in the midst of your trial. And you're going to find, birthed out of that experience, a song that hell cannot take from you. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies we find. You see, what we say and do in such hours is a testament that the fire has not won, but God's purpose has. And you know what? As crazy as it sounds, Israel did just the opposite of what Isaiah and God's Word said to them. When they got into Babylonian captivity, what happened to them? Anybody ever read the book of Psalms where he talks about we have hung our harps on a willow? They were acting just like everybody else, every other captive. They weren't singing. They weren't praying. And the Babylonians had heard these were a worshiping people. These were singing people. And they said, come on, sing for us. We want to hear your song. We want to know something about your God. And here they are sitting over in the corner. What do you you mean, my God? If I had a God, He wouldn't have let me get in this. If there was a real God, He wouldn't have allowed this to happen in my life. And they hung their harps on the willow and they said, how can we sing? I want to tell you something. I'd like to rearrange your thinking. If there's ever a place that the song of redemption needed to be sung... It needed to be sung in Babylonian captivity because they needed to let the Babylonians know, you're just a proxy, you're just a stute, you're just a hand, a puppet that God is using to perfect His people. And when God's fire has done its work, He's going to take those people out of your hands. You don't have a hold of them. God has a hold of them. And the reason they're where they're at right now is because because God's trying to bring them closer to Him. If there's ever a place that needed to hear redemption song, it's in the fire of adversity that you're in right now. And if there's anything the world needs to hear, they need to hear that there's a God who's still great. There's a God who is able. There's a God who still cares. There's a God who knows. I may not know the way, but He knows the way that I take. And when I have been tried, I shall come forth as pure gold. Amen. I believe the greatest damage that we can do to our testimony. You know what? People in the world know that you're going through a hard time. And when we start acting like them... They start saying, yeah, that's what I thought. That's about all Christianity's good for. Amen. But when they see you get dressed and go to church, when you've been through a flood, or you get dressed and you go through the church when your family's been through a crisis, and they see you worship, and they see you praise, and they see a smile on your face, and they feel something when they get around you, what is, what is there with you? you you just don't act like everybody else i, I figured you would be down in the dumps And I figured you'd be crying in your milk. And here you are. You just keep talking about the goodness of the Lord. What's good about what you're going through? I'll tell you what's good about it is that when it gets through, there's going to be a purity in my life that did not exist before that came. There's going to be a bitterness. God's going to elevate me. You see, when they put gold in the fire, they keep it there until it begins to bubble and the dross, the impurities begin to come to the surface and then they scrape all those impurities off but that's not it they're not through yet they say that they put the gold back into the fire to bring it to a higher place of perfection and they turn the heat up a little bit more because to get pure gold you need more heat and so the hotter it gets the more you understand I must be worth something or God wouldn't be wasting His time on me. Amen. At least nod and say, You're right, Brother Hughes. You're right. What we say when we glorify God in the fire is that the fires have not destroyed me. They have made me. Amen. Making me stronger. Making me better making me wiser? Do you know that everything good in life has always been built in the fire? If you're going to have a good family, you're going to have to build it in the fire. If you're going to have a strong home, you're going to have to build it in the fire. If you have a good marriage, you're going to have to build it in the fire. It doesn't... Those things don't come out of a vacuum. They come out of adversity. They come out of the things that burn up in your life, the things that are unneeded and unnecessary, and they leave only what matters behind. Great things are done in the fire, and if you're going to have anything great in your life, it's going to have to come through fire. He didn't ask you to praise Him for the fire. He just said, praise me in the fire. You know what? I've tried to thank God for my troubles, but it's kind of a hypocritical praise because I've never been real thankful for my fires. Have you? But God didn't say, thank me for your fires. He just said, when you're in it, make sure that you give me glory. Make sure that you glorify me, not your trouble. Glorify my strength, not your weakness. You see, this is not really about you anyway. This is about Him. As a matter of fact, this is about something more than that. This is about a a war between right and wrong, between heaven and hell. And ever since creation's fall, Satan has been on a mission to prove God wrong. And God has been on a mission to show that what He began, He can finish, and He will finish. And the devil and hell and all of its imps and all of its its horror cannot prevent the divine purpose of God from being fulfilled in my life. When you are in the fire, glorify Him. Acknowledge His power and goodness and recognize His wisdom that He would not allow it to be if it were not needed. Nobody wants the fire. And nobody certainly enjoys the fire, but everybody goes through the fire. So here's what I want to leave you with. When you're in the fire, don't panic. Just praise. Amen. When you're in the fire, don't panic, but praise. Don't hope that the fire will end. Don't feel self-pity in the fire, but somehow learn in the midst of your adversity that instead of sighing, I can sing. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know He watches me. Amen. Instead of going through life crying about what all is wrong, learn a new vocabulary about what is right. Keep your thoughts on Him. That's what it means. Glorify God in the fire. That means when you're in the midst of your trouble, Keep your thoughts on Him. And if you'll do that, then you can say with the Apostle Paul, none of these things move me. You can say with the Apostle Paul, though the outward man perish, the inward man is what? Renewed day by day. Fire by fire. Amen. Glorify God in your fire. There's never been a fire that He wasn't into. Amen. So stay happy in the midst of your adversity. Learn how to smile in spite of your troubles. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't give out. But lift your voice and pray. Lift your voice and worship. And when you do, you join the likes of Daniel and Ezekiel and Paul and Silas and the countless others. You you join the likes of those who through the ages have found the very presence of God in the midst of their sorest adversity. He's there. Amen. Keep your mind on Him. Keep your thoughts on Him. Don't let your mind play tricks on you. Don't let your mind tell you something that's not so. Sing instead of sigh. Dance instead of doubt. Glorify the Lord instead of be gloomy and despair. Do it in the midst of your fires. Praise God lift your hands in spite of everything that's against you right now you ought to lift your voice and just praise him everything that's gone wrong or could go wrong or is going wrong you ought to lift your voice and say thank you lord i'm still here hallelujah i'm still here i still have breath i still have life Something good is coming out of all of this. There's a perfecting of my life that's coming. Amen. God wouldn't waste His time if there wasn't something worth working on. I like what, what somebody said. God don't make junk. Amen. And so if there's a fire burning in your life tonight, if there's some dark island that you feel like you've been put off to or there's a cave that you feel like you've fallen into and it's dark all around you, instead of moaning, instead of sighing, instead of crying, instead of whining, lift up your voice and sing, Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. Great and mighty is our God, awesome in power, mighty in wonders. Lift up your voice and sing, though He slay me, yet will I serve Him. Amen. Lift up your voice and sing that He is great and greatly to be praised. Sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Sing, I'm going through. I'm going through. I don't care what the rest of the world decides to do. I've made up my mind. I ain't going to turn around. I'm walking with Jesus, and I'm going through. Amen. Sing through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust my God through it all. Sing the song of the redeemed because your location has nothing to do with your relation. Amen. He said, I take the wings of the morning and I find God there and even if I make my bed in hell, thou art there. Thank God He's wherever I need Him to be. And He's always in the fire. Let's stand tonight. Praise God.